Thank you very much. If you would please take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. John chapter 10. Today we begin the second part of a series that we are presently going through. The series is called Chapters You Should Know. And in the series, we are spending three weeks on each of four chapters that are very important. Not that they're the most important chapters in the Bible, but what's true of each of these chapters is that what is being taught is is something that every one of us needs to know. And uh, we just finished Genesis 3, uh, the last three weeks, working through that chapter and the message we wanted to hear and be reminded of and come to know from that chapter is how sin came into the picture in this world and what the consequences of sin are that we experience. And we even saw hints toward God's redemptive plan to deal with that sin. So today we move to John chapter 10. And we're going to spend three weeks working through that chapter. So if you would pray with me. I just want God to, from the very first words, uh, minister to us. I want us, by the end of these three weeks to have a real good grasp of John 10 and what's taught there. And like that last slide said, we don't just want to know it with our heads. We want the truth of John 10 to move to our hearts and into our lives because what we're going to find in this chapter is so important. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this this song and its message that have really prepared us to come into this chapter. And Father, I ask that you would guide us through what John has written here and recorded for us. And let it make a real difference these weeks in our lives. In Christ's name we pray those things. Amen. Do you ever uh, see and hear things that end up not being there? I mean, you ever seen uh, what you thought was for sure a a crack in a window? And you were already in your mind deciding who you were going to blame for it, who put that crack there. And then as you get closer, you realize it's just the way the sun is shining on that window, and it was just a little line of dirt. You You saw one thing, but it wasn't was there. And we've all had the experience of driving at night down the road, and we thought for sure we saw some kind of animal, and we get to it, and it was a sign, right? I see a lot of nods. I mean, we thought we saw one thing. Turned out what we saw wasn't there. Uh, or we hear things, you know? In the middle of the night, you're, you're awakened by some noise, and we lay there deciding what that noise is, what we just heard, and finally we get the boldness to get up and go check, and it was nothing, 
It was not at all what we were laying there uh, frightened about. Or we, we hear somebody make a comment, and we decide what we hear them saying. And once we talk to them, we learn that that wasn't at all what they were saying or meant, right? So we often see and hear things that aren't really there. And I want to suggest that that happens a lot when we are reading, studying, or listening to Scripture. We often will see things that aren't really in that text. We will hear things, if it's read to us, that aren't there. And it makes it so important for us to when we're studying and reading Scripture, to make sure we stick with what's there. And uh, it's so important that we're going to kind of practice that today in this first message from John 10. And today we're going to look at the first 18 verses. And I'm going to read it for you, and you follow along or listen. And as you listen or follow along, Only notice or hear what's there. Okay? Don't let your mind go off in directions thinking you see something here or hear something that's not there. So, John 10, verse 1. I tell you, Pharisees, the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand. And cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. 
So, so let's start with uh, what we see. <clears throat> the first thing would be, where is this taking place? Where is it taking place? Always a good thing to ask. Uh, if you just look at the context prior to this, chapter 9, you could go back to chapter 8, chapter 7. We find that all of these chapters, what's happening is happening in Jerusalem. So our text this morning is happening in Jerusalem. And even in verse 22, I think it is, later that we'll see next week, we have a comment that tells us it's in Jerusalem. What's going on here? What do we see? Well, really, what we see is Jesus speaking. If you have a red-letter Bible, it's all red, which means what's going on here is Jesus speaking to someone. To whom is he speaking? That's a good thing to notice. If you have an NIV Bible, it helps us. Verse 10, verse 1, chapter 10, I tell you, Pharisees, the truth. But even if you don't have that version, you just go up a verse or two in chapter 9 and you find out Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? We want to make sure we know that. The Pharisees were religious leaders in the Jewish faith. Um, They were religious teachers. And also keep this in mind for later. They were called the shepherds of Israel, which makes sense. Um, The Bible does talk about spiritual leaders, teachers, being shepherds. And the Pharisees, as religious leaders, were known as the shepherds of Israel. Just keep that in mind. That is who Jesus is speaking to. When is he doing this? When is he saying this to the Pharisees? Well, if you went back and read chapter 9, you would find out it's the record of Jesus healing a man who had been blind from birth. You can just go back to chapter 9, verse 1, and you'll see that. And the whole ninth chapter is about that happening. Jesus ends up healing this man, and he sees, after never being able to see his whole life. And then it talks about the different um, responses that took place. In fact, if you were to read chapter 9, we find out that when this man was healed and he could see, the Pharisees are upset. They're upset, first of all, that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. <clears throat> and that was against the rules. Healing somebody was working. And you don't work on the Sabbath day. So they're upset about that. And the way they treat this man who's been healed, if you read chapter 9, you find out they did not treat him very well. They, they interview him, and they're very unkind to him. And they say some really bad things to this man. And then they call his parents, and they visit with the man's parents. And they're not very kind to the parents. And they say unkind things to them. Now remember who the Pharisees are. They are religious leaders and they are called the shepherds of Israel. Wouldn't you think that the shepherds of Israel, when they find out that one of their flock 
has just been healed and for the first time in his life can see that they would celebrate that. We, we prayed for some people in our congregation this morning. If God chooses to heal them, I'll tell you what, I'm going to celebrate because I care about them. You read chapter 9, you find out that these supposed shepherds, spiritual leaders of Israel, really didn't care about this man. Really didn't care that he had been healed. Just going by how they treat him, how they treat his parents. And that's what's happened prior to chapter 10. And at the last part of chapter 9, Jesus begins to have this conversation with the Pharisees. And the conversation moves into chapter 10. So that's the when. It's after this healing and after the Pharisees have responded to it in such an uncaring way. Another thing that we see here is that Jesus is using a figure of speech or an illustration or a word picture. John tells us that right in the middle of what Jesus is saying. In verse 6, John says, Jesus used this figure of speech. So uh, what Jesus is doing is picking up on something that's common, familiar, and he's using it as an illustration, a word picture to get across something. And it's pretty easy to see what the figure of speech is, isn't it? He's talking about sheep. He's talking about shepherds. He's talking about hired hands. He's talking about sheepfolds. Um, it's very easy to see that what he's doing is using that particular illustration, that word picture, to get some kind of message across. <clears throat> And right in the middle of what he's saying is verse 10. And for most of us, when we read these 18 verses, verse 10 would stand out to us because it's probably the most familiar verse in this passage, right? Where uh, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. <clears throat> That's the most familiar verse in this passage to us. We've heard it taught often. Uh, let me ask you a question just doing this what do we see thing. <clears throat> Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who would the I be? Who is he referring to? Based on the context, he says, I have come that they may have life. Jesus, right? He's talking about himself. So he says, I have come. Then he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Based on the context, who would be they? The sheep, right? And, of course, in the figure of speech, I think we're safe to say the sheep represent people. So, Jesus is saying, I have come that they, people, the sheep, might have life and have life to the full. Before he says that, 
he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Based on the context, who would the thief be? You know who most people say it is? The devil. Right? They would say, upon reading it, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Where do we get that? It's not based on the context. I'll tell you, and you can check me on this. If you read all of chapter 9, what comes before, the rest of chapter 10 and even 11, what comes after, there is absolutely no mention of the devil in the whole context before or after that verse. No mention of the devil. Now, it does mention thieves. Notice in verse 1 says, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So there's a thief. If you jump over to uh, verse 8, he says, all whoever came before me, came before me, prior to me, were thieves and robbers. <clears throat> and then in verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We are very quick to decide the thief is the devil, right? Calling the devil a thief, I mean, it's right, he is. But he's not in this text. There's nothing in here that points to him <coughs> being the thief. So the question becomes, okay, if, if Pastor Marlin is right, and I'm going to go home and check on it, but if he's right, then the question becomes, who's the thief? In this context, who is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, let's, let's go on. <clears throat> You'll, I'll give you the answer eventually, but. Um, another thing that we see, I would say, it's pretty hard not to notice, is a very important statement that Jesus makes here. And he repeats it twice. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he says it again. I am the good shepherd. Now, when I read that, the thought that comes to my mind is, wow, that's probably important in this passage. In fact, I find myself thinking that may be the most important thing in this passage. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he says it twice. Okay. So those are some of the things that we see. And verse 10 would be an illustration of a lot of people seeing things that aren't there when they decide the thief is the devil. So let's go on. Let's ask the question now, what is the meaning of this passage? We've seen all these things. What is the meaning of the passage? What is the message? What was the intent here? 
What was Jesus trying to say? What was the what was the big picture message that he was trying to get across? I would suggest that this passage is about the identity of Jesus. Who he is. I mean, doesn't he say, I am? That's an identity statement. He says twice, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And then he makes another statement two times that is an identity statement. He says, I am the gate. I am the gate. I would suggest to you that the message here is the identity of Jesus. He identifies himself as the good shepherd and as the gate. When you read through this, you find out that as the good shepherd, Jesus knows his sheep by name. He leads his sheep. He gives life to his sheep. Unlike the thieves, he cares about his sheep. He lays down his life. He wants to build the flock, add more to the flock. I mean, all these things about a shepherd. And that's Jesus. He's the good shepherd. That's what a good shepherd does, right? Cares for his sheep, willing to lay his life down for his sheep, um, knows them by name, leads them. He's the good shepherd. Turn with me to Ezekiel 34. This is a passage that is probably not very familiar. But it's very important in what Jesus is saying in John 10. In Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 34, it's the whole chapter. I'm just going to point out some things. You can, you can read it on your own. But I'm going to point out some things that get the point across as the message of Ezekiel 34. Starting in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the who? Shepherds of Israel. Who were the shepherds of Israel? The spiritual leaders, the teachers. Okay? So, Ezekiel was told to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe! to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. At the end of verse 4, he says, You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. And then verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them. Verse 15, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. He ends verse 16, I will shepherd the flock with justice. Verse 22, I will save my flock. Verse 23, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now, he can't mean literally David, right? Ezekiel is a prophet during the captivity. David died way back. But he says, I will, I will give them one shepherd. It will be my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. What is God saying there? He's saying these shepherds of Israel who were supposed to care for the people, the flock, didn't care for them. It was all about them and what they could get. Make themselves comfortable and, and uh, make themselves wealthy. But they didn't care for the people they were supposed to shepherd. And so God says, you're no longer going to be my shepherds. In fact, I am going to be their shepherd. They will have one shepherd, and it will be me. I'm going to send my servant David. Do you know how the Jews saw that verse? It was one of the messianic promises. They viewed that verse as one of the promises of the Messiah coming and that the Messiah would be their shepherd. That that's how God himself would shepherd his people. So as the people of Israel were looking for the Messiah to come, they were actually looking for the good shepherd that God promised to send and that it would be him. Jesus comes along, and in John 10, he's talking to the shepherds of Israel, the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders, who have just shown that they don't care about the people by the way they responded to the healing of this man, one in their flock, and how they treated him. They weren't being very good shepherds. And so in the conversation, Jesus eventually gets to where he says twice, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name. I care for them. 
I will lead them. I will lay my life down for them. I will find more to add to my flock. The Pharisees knew the Old Testament Scriptures. The Pharisees probably had even taught from Ezekiel at some time about the coming Messiah who would be the Good Shepherd. And here comes Jesus. And he says to them, I am the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give them life. Life to the full. Who's the thief based on context in verse 10? It's the Pharisees. They're the thieves and robbers that he talks about before the 10th verse. He says, I'm the good shepherd. So, basically what he's saying is, you guys are just like your ancestors. You're bad shepherds. You don't care. But I'm here. And I'm the good shepherd. And if they had ever taught Ezekiel 34, Jesus saying this is really going to be upsetting to them. Because... If he says, I am the good shepherd, what he's really saying is, I am God. I am the Messiah. I'm the promised good shepherd. You guys are bad shepherds. You're the thieves. You're in it for yourself. That becomes a really important passage because here we have a message about the identity of Jesus. Another time where he says, I am the Messiah. I am the good shepherd. I'm the promised one. And then he says, I'm the gate. And the sheep enter the fold through me. Only through me. I'm the gate. And when they enter through me, What do they experience? Salvation. They enter through me, the gate, into the fold, and are saved. Two really important statements by Jesus about his identity. I'm the good shepherd that was promised. I'm the Messiah. And I am the only way you can get into the fold. You come through me, and you're saved, and I will give you life, and life to the full. The thief, in verse 10, I suggest, is not the devil. Now, he is a thief, but you're going to have to find other scriptures to back that up, because I don't think the devil is in this passage. He's not in... Chapter 9, he's not in chapter 11, he's not mentioned in chapter 10, but thieves are. And when the thieves are mentioned, they are being uh, presented as 
not the real shepherd. They're just thieves. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the Messiah. So, if, if I were to give in one statement the summary of the message of these 18 verses, what is the message here? Jesus is revealing to the Pharisees that he is the Messiah. This is another time when he reveals to them he's the promised Messiah. He is the promised good shepherd. And we're going to find out next week that does not go over quite well. Because they get it. They understood Ezekiel 34. They got it. And they don't like it. That he would say he's the good shepherd, the promised one. So, if that is the message, and I think it is, of this passage, Jesus revealing his identity as the good shepherd, the gate, only way to get into the sheepfold, then what can we take from this? What, what, what is in that message of these 18 verses that we can take personally from there and relate to our lives? Well, I would suggest three things. First of all, there's important truth being presented here by Jesus. The truth is, he's the good shepherd. He's the Messiah. That's an important truth. And he's the gate to the sheepfold. And he's the only way you can get into the sheepfold. You come through him and are saved. That's an important truth. So, there's truth in this passage about Jesus and his identity that's either good to be reminded of, but also good to learn. Do you believe it? Do you believe he's the good shepherd, the promised good shepherd, that he's the Messiah, the Christ, that he is God who came in the flesh? That's what he's saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. Do you believe that he is the only way into the sheepfold? That he's the only way into salvation and life? That's what he's saying. That's an important truth. Do you believe that? A second way I think we can uh, relate this to ourselves is by asking the question then, based on those truths, do you know him then? Is he your shepherd? Have you entered through him, the gate, into God's sheepfold? Have you been saved? Have you received life abundant? Do you belong to Jesus? Is he your shepherd? And the third, and I've got to read this from my notes because I don't want to leave anybody out. Okay, I'm not going to name names, but... This is important. I think a third thing that we can take from this uh, passage, it has to do with reminders. And this is for those who are already in the sheepfold, okay? So if you've come to salvation through Jesus, you're in his sheepfold. He's your shepherd. He's your good shepherd. And there's some great reminders here for you and I that belong to him. 
Because we learn here that Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows the name of every person that belongs to him. He gave his life for us. He cares about us and will never leave us. Maybe you're here, and right now you're going through a really hard time of grief. That's always the case in any congregation. And maybe right now you are one of those people going through some really heavy grief for whatever reason. You need to remember, based on this passage, Jesus is your good shepherd. Jesus knows your name. Jesus laid his life down for you. He cares about you. And he will never leave you. Maybe you're going through what was prayed about this morning. Maybe you're a person who right now is suffering physically. Something's going on in your life that's really difficult physically. And, and some days, it's, just, it's, it's almost hard to go through the day, whether it's an illness or an injury or whatever's happening. You, know? you need to remember that Jesus is your good shepherd. He's your good shepherd. And he knows your name. And he laid down his life for you, cares for you, and he will never leave you. Maybe you're going through persecution right now. And simply persecution means opposition. Uh, Maybe you're being treated badly or talked about badly because of your faith in Christ. It might be family. It might be classmates. It might be neighbors. Who knows? But you're going through some really tough opposition. You need to remember that Jesus is your good shepherd. And he knows your name. And he laid his life down for you, and he cares for you, and he will never leave you. Maybe right now you are experiencing a ton of worry, anxiety, fear over something that's going on. It's like you're drowning in anxiety and worry and fear. You need to remember, Jesus is your good shepherd, and he knows your name. And he laid his life down for you, and he cares about you, and he'll never leave you. Maybe you're going through some painful relational things. Maybe some relationships are just going south right now, and they're so difficult. You need to remember that Jesus is your good shepherd. He knows your name. He laid his life down for you. He cares about you. He'll never leave you. Maybe you're at a point in your life, a season where you're making some really big decisions. Really big decisions that could change things drastically in your life. And that's why these decisions are so difficult. You need to remember that Jesus is your good shepherd. He knows you by name. He laid his life down for you. He cares for you. And he'll never leave you. And I could go on and on. I'll just mention one more thing. Maybe you have recently or a while back um, 
at least in your thinking, failed in something. You failed. And you have all these doubts because of that. Doubts about yourself because you failed. And thoughts about yourself that are very negative and damaging because you failed. You need to remember that Jesus is your good shepherd. And he knows your name. He laid his life down for you. He cares about you. And he'll never leave you, even if it feels like it. He's your good shepherd. So this passage is about truth. It's about the identity of Jesus, the good shepherd, the promised good shepherd. The promise that God would be the shepherd. And Jesus says, I'm that shepherd. And I'm the gate. I'm the only way you can get into the sheepfold. It's through me. And so that's important truth to hold on to. Uh, Make sure you're one of his. Make sure he is your shepherd. Make sure you belong to him. And if you do, remember remember what it means that he is your good shepherd. No matter what you're going through, he's your good shepherd. And he knows your name. That is one of the most important things. He knows your name. He knows you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He gave his life for you. He cares, no matter what you're going through. And he'll never leave you. So, with that in mind, can you give me my bulletin? Will you take your bulletins out again? I think it would be good to finish off by reading Psalm 23 again. They really tie in, I think. So if you would stand with me with your bulletins, let's, let's read that again. And maybe, maybe after seeing what Jesus said in John 10, this will kind of leap out at us and really uh, fit well. So let's read it out loud again and affirm this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness, loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is your good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. Father, thank you for the boldness of Jesus to declare this before these shepherds who didn't care about their people and had just proven it again. And Father... I thank you for giving us Jesus to shepherd us, to lay his life down for us, to care about us, 
to know us individually by name. A good shepherd who will never leave us. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.